Okay, welcome everyone to a special edition episode of the Baseball Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Cody. I'm here bringing you a unique episode today, solo, uh, to do a further breakdown on war, uh, something I promised in episode three, uh, just because as I got into uh, the overview of war, and looking further into the statistic, I think it just rendered a necessity to give it an appropriate breakdown all on its own, uh, because it really is a complex stat that deserves a fair amount of coverage and individualized attention on its own. I I think we really could have done a a whole episode just on war if we really wanted to. So that's what I'm doing here, as promised, to start uh, an in-depth discussion on the statistic of war. So I just want to lay the groundwork for how I'm going to plan to cover it today, and then a few other things just for ease of verbology and understanding that. So I'm going to introduce it here in in a minute, and then... I'm going to kind of drill down and work backwards until we paint the complete picture that it is as its own statistic. So in addition to that, anytime I reference war, just know that I'm speaking about total war, not any of the individualized uh, subsets of war, such as offense and or defense war, defensive war. And then in addition to that, the statistic WOBA weighted on base average, uh, I will be referring to as WOBA, uh, just so no one's lost on that and wondering what I'm talking about when I say that. It's just a more convenient way to to say that as opposed to saying weighted on base average every time. So so here we go. Uh, diving right in. So war, war came about at least a decade ago now, uh, essentially, um, maybe even further. Uh, I, I haven't traced back the origins that far, but uh, I know I've seen it for the better part of 10 years now, and it's it's really gained a lot of popularity, um, especially among people who are into sabermetrics. It's, it's definitely in favor for, for a lot of folks. So, uh, But anyway, so it measures a player's value in all facets of the game and determines how many more wins that player is worth than a replacement level player at the same position. And so we'll get into replacement level player and what that means uh, a little later and, and how that could potentially be affecting the statistic in, in some way. But so it's it's a nice statistic in that it does cover everything uh, that a player does to contribute to winning, and it uses runs as that measure, uh, which makes sense because whether you're a position player or a pitcher, the whole goal, if you're a position player, is to produce runs, and the entire goal as a pitcher is to prevent runs. So it uses that, uh, and the What's nice is that throughout all the adjustments of the statistic itself, when you're looking at the same value, every everyone is more or less equated on the same playing field at that point. Uh, you just have to understand maybe where some of the nuances came uh, from for those individual positions, but more on that later. So war is taking uh, a combination of, uh, and I'm speaking to uh, position players here specifically, a uh, combination of their batting offense, which is used as weighted runs above average, and then it uses base running and fielding, and typically those come in the form of uh, ultimate base running and ultimate zone rating, uh, respectively, for each of those to come up with a combined score there. There's an adjustment for the position in which, depending on that position, a player is actually awarded or deducted runs from their value. There's an adjustment for the league, and then an assumed value of contributed runs by a replacement player. And then that's all summed up and and divided by uh, runs per win, which uh, from what I found is typically 
uh, set at a value of 10, uh, which I think is is pretty fair. Uh, and it, it just makes the, the math nice and easy. So, so one of the main components here, runs above average, is actually a statistic that is developed through another statistic, WOBA, weighted on base average, as I mentioned earlier. And so I'm going to cover that. But first, I want to explain how how WOBA kind of came about in relation to uh, slugging percentage. It has some similarities, and it's kind of a hybrid between slugging percentage and on base percentage, except uh, not in the same way that OPS is, where it's a simple uh, summation of the two. Uh, it's a little bit different. But so just for a review, slugging percentage, kind of a modification of average in a way, because it includes factors that are attached to each type of hit that is that is made. So instead of just hits over at bats, slugging percentage is total bases over at bats. And so that's calculated out in that uh, each respective base holds the factor of its space on the diamond. So single has a factor of one, double has a factor of two, triple has a factor of three, and a home run has a factor of four. So so you see slugging percentages should always be uh, a good bit higher than a player's average. And then the individual differences of how much a player is hitting for extra bases uh, will ultimately determine all that. So, however, uh, it's not exactly true that uh, a double is worth twice as much as a single. And so that's where uh, we get into WOBA, weighted on base average, uh, because now it still makes use of a factor applied to uh, those different types of hits, but it weights them differently. And those weights can actually uh, change from year to year because WOBA is a statistic that is a comparison to league average. So league averages can change from year to year, and therefore the factors can change along with that. So as an example, the the values placed uh, for a home run uh, in 2014 uh, according to MLB.com, was uh, 2.101. And in addition to counting for hits, uh, WOBA also accounts for walks and hit-by-pitches and sack flies. So because it wants to try and capture the totality of a player's efforts towards uh, run production in an offensive standpoint. I think it's nice that the factors can change a little bit, the drawback being a when you lose a little bit of standardization there, you just kind of can get lost a little bit into what the true value of a player's WOBA is really telling you, I think, from year to year, because you would have to understand the entire uh, function of the league for that particular year that you're interested in. So, but that's, that's for another discussion. So the way it, the way it calculates out is it essentially includes uh, walks, like I mentioned, and hit by pitches into the numerator there. And then instead of it bats, now it becomes divided by plate appearances. So, and then that'll produce your WOBA. WOBA then goes into the weighted runs above average. And so now this statistic is getting kind of compounded here a little bit where we're using numbers over and over again to continue to uh, manipulate them in a way that is useful for trying to gauge the production of a player. So as it serves weighted runs above average, that's a measure how many runs a hitter contributes compared with an average player in which the average player is given a rating of zero. Uh, their runs above average would be is what uh, they would be considered league average if, if they came in with the, a value of zero. Uh, it's calculated by finding the difference in the number of runs contributed between a player and the league average, and that's that's where WOBA comes into play to provide that. So the difference, though, WOBA, like 
the statistics of average and slugging percentage provides rate information. Weighted runs above average is a accounting stat, so it has a cumulative effect. So if you're on the field more, if you're getting more at-bats, then your weighted runs above average number is going to be perceived as higher solely due to the fact that you had more opportunities and that player likely did something with those opportunities, whether it's large or small, doesn't matter because it's cumulative all that's going to get added up into the eventual uh, calculation. So that's how we get to weighted runs above average. And then you have the other two, ultimate base running and ultimate zone rating. Very similar. They're, again, just expansions on uh, traditional baseball statistics. So in the case of ultimate zone rating, I won't get into the same kind of details here. It takes into account more than just errors. And so it's very similar to defensive run saved. Uh, it you know It's just trying to capture a more... Com- a complete picture uh, in terms of a fielder's ability to prevent scoring runs. So, so that's we're in a nutshell, essentially there from each of the run scoring or preventing standpoints of of batting, base running, and fielding. You have the position adjustment, uh, which, as I mentioned earlier, is simply a matter of traditionally what have we seen in terms of production uh, from each of these positions, and so. In the case of those positions that are viewed as offensive, like a first base or a corner outfield position, they they are actually uh, docked with minus runs from that initial initial uh, starting point, uh, as opposed to other positions like catcher and shortstop, which are granted positive runs because those are typically uh, lower production uh, positions on the field. So part of the issue with the statistic, uh, as I mentioned already. It, is not standardized. And so depending on the website uh, that you go to reference uh, war, such as fan graphs or baseball reference, uh, etc., you you can find uh, different calculation inputs uh, to eventually reach the same war. It's it's I haven't given it a direct comparison. I don't think it makes a huge difference when it comes to that end result. Uh, And especially it all that matters is that you don't compare players, player wars from two different references. As long as you're consistent in what you're evaluating, everything is relative with this stat. So as long as all the inputs are the same across the board, then what you're getting is going to be reliable uh, and and useful in that way. So so it uses runs to to determine to determine wins. And so it's it's an interesting standpoint. I think it's probably the best standpoint to choose. I don't really know what else you would uh, go with necessarily you know because the game ultimately comes down to run differential if you're scoring more than the other team no matter what way that's coming uh, whether it's production or prevention uh, of runs it's I think it's a good a good way to try and measure this so it's a good idea uh, I like it and really I don't know what other way you would look to utilize uh, this metric anyway uh, initially when I was Going through some of the formulas, I was getting concerned about, uh, from a statistical standpoint, uh, not to get too nerdy over it, but issues with confounding variables and uh, the possibility of multicollinearity uh, within war. Uh, but with the regression stuff that I saw, it was never used in a multiple regression standpoint. So while it uses some like statistical calculations a little bit redundantly in some in some ways ultimately i don't i don't think it faces those issues so uh at, at least not from a multicollinearity standpoint i think uh 
anytime you're trying to measure some, uh, I guess, just anything in the real world, uh, there's always a possibility for confounding variables. And the fact that war actually does a really good job when it comes to predicting things against what we already know, I think it does a good job uh, keeping that stuff at a minimum. However, its ability to predict uh, future war is is less less strong. So, uh, for example, and I'll keep a I'll put a link to this article uh, in the blog. Uh, you can find this article online though from the Hardball Times. Uh, this was published back in 2012. Uh, it's titled uh, "What Is War Good For?" by uh, Glenn Dupal, and that's on the Hardball Times. You can Google it. I think it does a nice breakdown of uh, the stat as well, especially if you're looking for a more technical statistical breakdown, because he shows he's got some graphs with uh, the regression analysis done. And so what's uh, what's pretty amazing when it comes to war, uh, as I've already mentioned, is its ability to accurately describe a, a team's win performance. Uh, so it had an R-square value of 0.83. So it's able to describe 83% of the variance in in winning in this way. So, and uh, the formulas that came about compares it to this replacement level. And so you have a starting point, a replacement level team. So a team completely full of players that are all at that level. They have an expected uh, winning percentage of 320, uh, which is expected to be about 52 wins. And so if you were to plug in the war of all the players on your team into this formula plus the 52, you get a pretty accurate representation of uh, what that actual win total was. And so the standard deviation, there was a couple couple differences depending on uh, the sources here and, and what calculations were used. But ultimately, it's, it's pretty small, it could be as low as within two to three wins. That's pretty significant. The drawback is it didn't do nearly as good of a job predicting future wins. So this is kind of where uh, war loses a little bit of steam. Uh, although the, the R-square value for prediction of the following year was still 0.68, which I think is still pretty good because you're looking at two-thirds uh, of the winning still being explained by that. But we know just, just from reality that there's far too many things to ever consider uh, and be and have the ability to predict that that you could ever really get a super high R square value there, you know, to see something predicting at, at a rate of 80% or more. Uh, that would be that would be really significant. That would be a huge breakthrough. And if it's, it's certainly possible, it would probably require something that is very complicated. But you know, because there's so many things that would that it would have to account for. Uh, but for right now, a 0.68 uh, for prediction on the next year, I, I think I would take it. And the reason is individual season war is uh, a little more volatile than when you take war over a group of years. So a lot of people are looking at war in those ways, uh, as opposed to a year to year selection tool to help a team win and, and make its moves um, that it needs to acquire players or what have you. It, it's it's best observed over longer periods of time uh, is, is what I'm gathering based on the various things that I've read. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with 
how much uh, inconsistency there can be when it comes to defensive uh, inputs and certain things like the shift really skew a player's value when it comes to producing the defensive war number. So those are things that might have to be taken into account uh, in the calculation if you want to get a better better picture um, because otherwise you might have players that are making plays that they otherwise wouldn't be because they're in the shift and they're in a position to make a play where they otherwise wouldn't. So, so for that, uh, as I relate it back to our original episode three, it basically becomes a good, useful statistic to utilize when it comes to making a Hall of Fame case, I think, because uh, as you do lengthen the timeline, it does become much more useful. And so, you know, I, I'm in favor of it. The more I look at it, uh, it does capture a lot about a player. You do just have to be mindful of these things that can affect the stat, especially year to year. But when we're looking at cumulative war, I think it becomes uh, very insightful in, in terms of players' impact for a team and their overall value that they bring. The only other thing that I'll mention real quickly here, I think, is uh, the idea that it's using these replacement players, which I think is good and bad, but bad not necessarily being that bad, only because I guess uh, replacement players... They're not in a position where they're playing, so uh, unless unless it's by some uncontrolled circumstance and a team is in a in a bind to fill a slot, and so they they might not be in a position to make a move on the market to acquire someone via trade or sign a free agent, and so they might be forced to bring someone up from the minors instead. So it does have value that way, but it, it just in terms of knowing what you have i guess is how i would put that so if you were to suddenly lose a player and you didn't have the means to fill that slot with someone who is not considered a replacement level it does it does help a team value uh, the talent that they do have now if i were to use war as a as a means to compare other players around the league it might might be worthwhile to make some sort of adjustment to some of these stats uh, or some of the inputs anyway uh, to better reflect what the average player contributes instead. Because the average player is is viewed as as being able to contribute at a a one war, a one point war, uh, so one win above replacement, uh, which isn't you know it's it's not a lot. It's certainly you know it's barely uh, really like getting you in the lineup, I guess. Uh, but even a, a a team of average players would do much better than uh, a 52 win season, I would think. So and there's a lot of ways to to slice and dice that. So uh, I'm sure it could be argued in in many different fashions. But it is a little odd to me, though, just given that when we're talking about Woba and weighted runs above average as part of the statistical war, uh, that those are compared to league averages, uh, and the fact that it is a metric that's talking about replacement players who are not considered league average. Not really sure how that translation takes place. But anyway, that's the way it is. And that's the way it's being used. And so part of the fun of this stat, I think, is its versatility and that, you know, you can make adjustments to it, uh, whether you, you know, based on preference uh, for for some of the inputs that you like to use. And, you know, because that's, that's the difference between the different sites, baseball reference and fan graphs they're electing to use slightly different statistics. Ultimately, they're stats that are that kind of represent the same thing, but they do have their minor tweaks that will capture other nuances of the game in a slightly different fashion. And so you may may get a, a little bit of a different value there. Although I would imagine if I were to compare uh, between all the different sources, 
the end result probably doesn't vary all that much. So ultimately, uh, what I would say is is war is actually uh, quite a handy statistic. Again, with any stat, you have to always consider its limitations. But in general, I would expect war to continue sticking around, especially when it comes to Hall of Fame voting and making cases for players getting in. If you listen to our episode uh, three, our regular one, you'll notice uh, that we do mention that Larry Walker was actually uh, a fraction of, of a point higher than Derek Jeter, yet their paths to the Hall of Fame were very different. Jeter getting in on his first, Larry Walker getting in on his last try. Uh, and there's, and look, it, because uh, there's a, a number of reasons why that's going to take place. And, uh, you know, war isn't everything when it comes to evaluating a player even though that's kind of the way it's designed to be. it's It does give you that very quick idea and understanding of what a player did throughout his career or an individual season. If you are, if you're a person who does uh, does like to use war, it, it does make it a bit of a head scratcher then to see the struggle that Larry Walker had trying to get into the Hall of Fame versus Derek Jeter. Uh, if you look at the other numbers, I think that's where the story becomes more readily apparent. So all that matters is they both got in. But I think it just it creates a, an interesting scenario in that, hey, here's two players that were actually uh, very similar if we're you know solely basing that on the concept of war. Yet one got in first ballot, nearly unanimous. The other got in on uh, the last try there. So, okay. So that concludes all my talking points on the topic of war today. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about this uh, discussion or have anything else that you would like to offer uh, in terms of breaking down war, uh, don't hesitate to send us an email at chrisandcody at thebaseballexp.com. We're always welcome to your comments and suggestions or any points uh, on things that we may have missed. Uh, So please don't hesitate to do that. Uh, As always, don't forget to check us out at thebaseballexp.com for other uh, blog information and episodes available to you for free. And be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our Facebook page, uh, all at the baseball experience. That's it for today. I'm your host, Cody. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time.